Hello, and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. This episode of Dialogues in Dermatology has been sponsored by Bristol-Myers Squibb. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dialogue in Dermatology podcast. My name is Flavia Fidelis. I'm an instruction dermatologist at Harvard Medical School and clinical dermatologist in the Department of Dermatology at Massachusetts General Hospital. Today, I have the privilege of welcoming Dr. Bruce Strober to our podcast. Dr. Strober is clinical professor of dermatology at Yale University School of Medicine, and he practices and does clinical research at Central Connecticut Dermatology in Connecticut. He's a nationally and internationally recognized expert in psoriasis and clinical trials. And he's also the scientific co-director of the Core Evita Psoriasis Registry, the treasurer of the International Psoriasis Council, and the editor-in-chief of the Journal of Psoriasis and Psoriatic Arthritis. And his main research interests center around the therapeutics of inflammatory skin diseases such as psoriasis and atopic dermatitis. And his goal in clinical practices to help improve the care of patients with difficult to treat inflammatory skin diseases. So today we're going to be talking about categorizing psoriasis severity. Thank you so, so much for joining me, Dr. Strober. I'm very excited about this conversation. This is a very important topic. So I'm very excited to talk about this. So I was thinking to start first by just talking about why this is such an important topic, categorizing the severity of psoriasis and how that affects our clinical practice or our clinical decision-making when we see psoriasis patients in our clinic. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. The most important issue here is delivering care to patients with psoriasis that's appropriate to how the psoriasis affects them from a quality of life standpoint. And importantly, why determining the patient's severity is going to be part and parcel with regard to determining their correct therapy. So if you don't deliver therapy appropriately, you will risk undertreating patients. And, and that's really the concern I have mostly is the undertreatment of patients with psoriasis um, that can be occurring in general medical dermatology practice. So what are some of the current ways that we're categorizing severity that perhaps are not ideal to meeting some of the needs of some of the patients. Right. Well, we've all heard that psoriasis is either mild, moderate, or severe. And in most instances, it's moderate to severe. That's the major classification for patients who could be on either systemic therapy or phototherapy. The problem is moderate severe is often dictated by what kind of patients are enrolled in the clinical trials leading to approval of our therapeutics. And in almost every instance, a moderate to severe patient in a clinical trial has more than 10% of his or her body surface involved with psoriasis or a POSI score of 12 or worse. And for the most part, that is defining a patient who is very severe. In fact, the average patient in a clinical trial has a POSI score of 20. Um, and mm -hmm. what happens to patients who, regardless of their ability to be in these trials, nevertheless, could nevertheless benefit from a systemic therapy or a biologic therapy? You may understand that patients might not get into these studies for perhaps they have a BSA of 8% or 7%, yet 
yet they're not adequately treated with topical therapies or they have palms and soles involved only and they can't even get past 5%, but you couldn't control them with topicals. These patients would potentially be undertreated because they're not really with that which is studied in the clinical studies. They're too low in their BSA, yet they fail topicals. They're left in this intermediate zone that leaves them inadequately addressed with regard to how the disease truly affects them. That's a very good point that unfortunately some of these patients are not severe enough. Sometimes they don't get aggressive treatment enough because they're not considered severe enough. So you talked about the BSA and the the PASI. Are there any other tools that we can perhaps can use in our practice as far as addressing their quality of life? Yeah, I mean, there's, first of all, no one does a PASI score in the clinic. So we can throw that out. It's a purely research focused metric. We do look at body surface area and many providers appropriate look at the PGA, Physicians Global Mm -hmm. Assessment. Sometimes that's called an Investigators Global Assessment, IGA. But regardless, we tend to look at both BSA and PGA and they're very different from each other, but used in combination, those two outcome measures do summarize to some extent severity but they nevertheless will fall down for people with special areas. When I say special areas, I'm really speaking to scalp, palm soles, genitals, nails, perhaps inverse intertriginous psoriasis. So we need to not be too focused on BSA for that reason. Now, you did ask, what are some quality of life instruments that could be utilized? They to have not been integrated very extensively into clinical practice. We have a few we use in clinical trials, for example, the Dermatology Life Quality Index, the DLQI, Mm -hmm. which is a 10-question survey of how one's dermatologic disease affects quality of life. It's not specific to psoriasis. In fact, it wasn't developed specifically psoriasis. Now, there are more recently developed dermatology quality of life instruments that are geared towards psoriasis. For example, the psoriasis disease inventory. These are questionnaires that were developed by pharmaceutical industry at the behest of the FDA to look at specific aspects of psoriasis that affect patients. And by and large, there are issues such as pruritus, scale, skin pain, bleeding, issues such as symptoms that affect patients every day. And if if you really narrow it down, it's a basic few symptoms that we've all known about, like paritis. So if you ask about itch and you gather their BSA and you gather their IgA, and importantly, examine how they respond to topicals, then you have a sense of where they should be on the treat ladder. Great. That's a wonderful point about the quality of life and the symptoms, the pruritus particularly, which I guess in the past people didn't think psoriasis would be or could be so pruritic. But now we know that a lot of the patients have severe pruritus that really affects their quality of life. Now, I know there was some research done by the International Psoriasis Council looking at or assessing disease severity. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Right. It was an endeavor I led for the IPC that was basically about how do we talk about psoriasis with regard to does the patient deserve topicals or does the patient Mm -hmm. deserve systemic therapy and or Mm -hmm. phototherapy? 
And it came down to an effort to survey about 70 experts in psoriasis therapy around the world. It's an international effort. And through a Delphi exercise, identify statements that best describe how you categorize patients. And in the end, through many rounds of voting, all anonymous, online, and then a last session where there was a presentation done by the final top vote getters, because we actually were able to collect about 35 unique definitions. But in the Mm -hmm. end, we were able to vote down to one. And it was a statement actually, in retrospect, we learned developed by Dr. Andy Blauvelt in Oregon. His statement won the day. And if you bring it down to this succinct definition of how we should treat psoriasis, psoriasis patients can be either topically treated or systemically treated. And we include phototherapy into systemic treatment Mm -hmm. based on their ability to meet the following criteria. Are they a BSA of 10% or worse? Do they have special areas of involvement? And then finally, have they tried and failed topical therapy? Hmm. If they meet those criteria, and, and it can be any of them, they don't have to be 10% or worse. They could be special hmm. areas alone and deemed what this patient needs a systemic therapy, then they can be on a systemic therapy. So you could therefore gather patients who have 4% BSA, but very severe refractory palmoplantar disease or 5% and very hmm. severe refractory scalp psoriasis, as we've all seen, very severe scalp psoriasis that can't be managed with topical therapy, then you are green-lighted conceptually for the use of a systemic therapy. And I know, and all of us were very happy with this outcome, winning, so to speak, all (laughs) blind and anonymous, but it won because it's real. Essentially, if you treat a lot of psoriasis, you are guided by these basic rules. And of course you consider quality of life. Now, some people ask, why didn't you include a quality of life metric? And the reason was in the United States, most payers don't recognize quality of life metrics as valid. Um, The FDA does, obviously they're incorporating uh, DLQI into their studies as outcome measures, but often DLQI doesn't make it into the label for these drugs. So we kept DLQI out because while, of course, it's highly relevant, practically speaking, it's not relevant from an insurance payer standpoint. We wanted to keep things relevant such that we're using terminology that payers recognize. And BSA and PGA are those terms and also failure of topical therapy. That's wonderful to really try to address this very important area where patients are undertreated and like you said, Perhaps the payers are not really looking at the quality of life and they're, they're looking at these other measures. What do you think are perhaps some barriers as far as why? Is it the way we're categorizing the severity that the patients are undertreated? Or I guess if we are talking about maybe implementing different ways of looking at disease severity, what are some of the barriers of implementing this in a general dermatology clinical practice? There's a few layers there. One, we don't do clinical trials with these kind of criteria for entry criteria. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's still being locked in at 10% BSA, mm-hmm. 12 posi. That's starting to change. We're seeing companies with systemic therapeutics address this lower BSA population, doing more specific studies on palmar plantar disease and scalp disease, and therefore allowing lower BSA patients into the studies. 
So that's helpful. Ultimately, we'd like to see regulatory agencies like the FDA truly allow studies for label indication that use these type of criteria. And then payers would be more amenable to covering expensive therapeutics for these types of patients. The -hmm. second major issue is on the provider side. There are a lot of providers who are nevertheless reluctant to use systemic therapy in a patient who might only have 5%, who might only Mm -hmm. be localized to a part of the body that limits their BSA involvement, but nevertheless, it's a huge quality of life impact. They're under the belief that we only use these agents in very severely affected patients. They need to walk in the door with 15 to 25% or more of their body covered with psoriasis, not just the scalp only patient. So it comes down to payer regulatory issues, but also just providers who, while they know, I think every provider knows this is inherently the right way to go, that of course you try topical therapies for a month or two, and we have multiple ones from which to choose. And some of them are very good, and some of them are non-steroidal, the newer ones, and they should Mm -hmm. be tried, no doubt. But we should quickly move to systemic therapies for the sake of the patient, because often systemic therapies are the only approach that effectively clear special areas of involvement and bring around a normalization of quality of life. So I would like to say it's just as much the provider side of the equation that needs to be worked on. Thank you for that. So how do you hope to, that things will evolve in the future? Or how do you see, do you see that we are going to move more and more towards including the quality of life in our assessments and including some of the patients with lower BSA in our clinical trials? Do you see a movement towards that in the future? I do. It's probably, it's still going to be a payer issue. There's a cost prohibitive aspects aspect Mm -hmm. to using biologic therapies or even newer small molecules that are approved for psoriasis. That said, there is a strong movement within pharma to study special areas, to do formal Mm -hmm. active control or placebo control, placebo comparator clinical trials in people who have special area involvement. Greatest focus is now on scalp and and palmar planner, Mm -hmm. as I've told you. There are some studies on genital psoriasis that are very good. And we even have indication for one drug, uh, a premolas for mild to moderate disease. That's actually in the label. You can just treat psoriasis. It doesn't have to be moderate to severe psoriasis with a premolas. I envision more and more a movement towards that type of indication. Of course, you're going to have to get the blessings of the FDA to allow that. Uh, And that might not always occur, but nevertheless, you could see biologic therapies, which in my opinion are very safe. We have some very safe modern biologic therapies, in my opinion, as as every bit as safe as a premolast, that work better and therefore should be uh, given the opportunity to to be studied in these lower BSA patients who need systemic therapy. So there's the future. I think it's going to happen. It's going to be slow. I actually think we're doing it already in clinical practice, a large number of us. So the movement is afoot. Now we just need the blessing of regulatory agencies that say, yes, you can do this as long as the patient meets these criteria that are somewhat in line with the IPC definition. It doesn't have to be exact, but somewhat in line. That's great to hear. I think, like you said, we are already doing that in clinical practice. It's just, I guess it it is a matter of 
things catching up with what we're actually doing in, in clinical practice and getting this treatment to some of these patients that are mild to moderate as opposed to moderate to severe. I guess we're getting close to the end here. Is there anything that you would like our listeners to kind of like the key points for this conversation? I know we talked about how we hope things to go in the future. And are there any sort of very well takeaway points from this? Yeah, I I have a a major takeaway point, which is (laughs) everyone out there listening, move away from the mild, moderate and severe approach to your categorization. Just think, is this a topical appropriate patient or is this a systemic phototherapy appropriate patient it's really that kind of delineation that helps you determine what type of treatment you should bring to bear for that patient because it's easy right we all love topicals topicals define us as dermatologists we're experts in them but in the end you need to know when to move away from topical only therapy for a patient who needs more they're not doing well on topicals. They need to be treated, as I always say to the patient, from the inside out with the systemics. And that doesn't mean you abandon the topical because it can be also as an add-on to patients with systemic therapy. But the key point is abandon this moderate to severe concept. Go into systemic appropriate. That's the term you should think. Are they mm-hmm. systemic appropriate? And we all know how to define that. And think about what the patient needs. If they're in your office, they're making their visits, they're fairly adherent, you know they want to get better. So Mm -hmm. give them the tools to get better. They rely on you to explain to them all that's available for the treatment of of their psoriasis and so that it's controlled in a way that's normalizing of their quality of life. That's great. Thank you so much ben, for the insights. I think, as you said, it is important to know when to move on from the topicals and to really, really individualize treatment for every patient that's in front of you in clinic. So I think we're pretty much out of time. So I just want to thank you so much for joining us today for the Dialogue in Dermatology podcast. And I'm sure our listeners are also very happy to hear about this topic. And again, this is Dr. Fidelis interviewing Dr. Bruce Trover from Yale University School of Medicine. Thank you so, so much for taking the time today to talk to us. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Bristol Myers Squibb for supporting this episode of Dialogues in Dermatology. We hope you have enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcasts. We hope you enjoy these new options for listening to dialogues and the increasing content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.